Hello and welcome to this podcast from Faber. My name is George Miller and my guest today is Tobias Jones. Tobias is perhaps best known as the author of The Dark Heart of Italy, a book which overturned all the cosy clichés of La Dolce Vita and showed that you can't judge Italian society by its often beautiful beguiling surface appearance. Tobias's exploration of Italy's dark heart has now turned towards fiction. Earlier this year he published The Salati Case, the first in a series of crime novels set in the northern city of Parma, featuring private detective Castagnetti. And as you'll hear in the interview, Tobias was also able to make the novel a sort of homage to his literary hero, American crime writer Ross MacDonald, once considered one of the big three of American crime fiction, along with Hammett and Chandler. When I met Tobias, though, I began by asking him if he felt that crime fiction was a particularly good way of getting under the skin of life in Italy today. I've always loved crime novels. I know there are lots of people who don't like crime novels. I've always loved them. And particularly, I've always loved the Italian crime novels, Shasha especially. And I think when you're writing non-fiction about criminal cases, you spend an awful lot of time with lawyers. And certainly legal action has become the equivalent of the bullet a few decades ago. The easiest way to keep a, a critic quiet is to, is to launch a a legal case and you know certain politicians in Italy do it all the time and it, it became quite clear to me that actually you could explore all sorts of facets of Italian society in fiction that would be just as illuminating as writing about real cases I mean the great for me the great thing about crime fiction is that it is the most realistic of genres you know no one would say that of science fiction but for someone who's written two non-fiction books, sort of sliding into crime fiction wasn't as much of a leap as becoming sort of a, a magic realist or whatever. It wasn't It wasn't as if I was suddenly having to, to discover a whole new sort of realm of fantasy inside my little brain. Crime fiction, by its nature, should be realistic and, and a sort of a faithful reflection of the society in which it's set. And I think it's clear that you know, one of the lead characters in crime fiction is always the backdrop, which is why exotic crime fiction is, is so fashionable at the moment, because, you know, you can find crime novels set in, in Laos or Turkey or, or for any country you want. And it's almost like another guidebook to, to the country. And, and, and I suppose, yeah, to answer your question in a long-winded way, um, I suppose it did become clear to me that you could you could say very interesting things about a country through fiction as much as through factual narrative, really. As you say, crime fiction is a big genre in Italy itself, and there are also a number of English-language writers who have written crime fiction set in Italy. Are they very different beasts to, to your way of thinking, those written by Italians and those written by outsiders? There is There is a big difference between... British and Italian writers, even the you know the British writers writing in Italy, I think it's partly the tradition we come from that for a lot of British or American authors, there's still that classical tradition of the the who done it, which Italian crime fiction tends to be more the noir in terms of the downward spiral of a central character who you often know from the beginning is the the murderer. Also, I think Italian crime writers often deliberately 
talk about the sort of the the politics of the country and specific cases and it, a bit in the way that James Elroy does in America he very much sort of knit they knit together specific cases particularly because a lot of the good crime writers in Italy are are magistrates caro figlio I mean, Romanzo Criminale is a very good example of sort of taking a, a gang of criminals and seeing what they do to the country and how they do it. So I think it's more, it's, 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 it's perhaps less the sort of traditional whodunit with a, with a lone wolf detective. Shasha's novels are often so short and precise and beautifully done They are astonishing. I mean, the, the, I still have in my mind the scene of a, a conversation with an unnamed, faceless member of parliament and this sense of power and dripping arrogance is extraordinary and it kind of remains with you for, for years. And so I suppose they, they're more sort of embedded in the culture of the country. Tell me about the American writers and influences that, that fed into the Salati case. Well, my, my literary hero and anyone who reads the Salati case and future novels will know is, is Ross MacDonald. I mean, one famous line about Ross MacDonald is that he didn't write about crime, he wrote about sin. His books have a metaphysical depth to them that's extraordinary. I mean, often people think that crime fiction is a slightly superficial genre and it's, it's simply a sort of parlour game of, you know, who did it? And it's a bit like kind of a literary Cluedo. Whereas Ross MacDonald, in his own words, wrote about brokenness. He wrote about fractured society he wrote about misfits and people who were down on their luck and he managed to combine a very hard laconic sarcastic private eye who actually underneath it all was very humane and who even when he unearthed who had done the crime he managed to elicit empathy for the criminal in an extraordinary way. And he wrote about the tragic reverberations that had to shoot back through the novel when you get to the final page so that the whole of the novel looks different when you know the conclusion. He's, 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 he's an extraordinary writer and one who, who manages to sort of rewrite classical myths in a, in a contemporary Californian setting. He is, you know, he's, he's up there as the, you know, for me, the most, most important crime writer of the, of the 20th century. I, I saw one online review describe the Salati case as hard-boiled with a soft centre, and I think I think meant that entirely positively. I mean, is that a description that, that you recognise? Yeah, I mean, I'm very suspicious of effete private detectives who describe for three pages what recipe they're cooking or you know what game of chess they're having with their intellectual companion in a cafe i mean i like an old-fashioned kick the door down pistol in hand private eye so in that sense i hope you know he certainly is pretty hard-boiled but i think it, it's very difficult to to elicit sympathy for for your central character unless he is both wounded and and sort of sympathetic so yeah i hope he's he's got a soft center as well There's a lot we've yet to discover about Castagnetti. There's, there's, we don't learn a great deal about his, his past in this first novel. We know his parents died when he was eight. But beyond that, there's a lot, a lot of blanks left to fill in. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how, how much leaving blanks in Castagnetti's life was deliberate or, or not. I, 
I've certainly spoke to a lot of crime writers who've, who've written eight, 10, 12 book series who get letters from fans saying, actually, his second cousin was born in 1974, not 1973. And in a way, if you're intending to, to write a series of books about one central character in a way you kind of want to keep your powder dry in the first book and i would rather have a character who isn't fully developed than one who is over described and very difficult to to emerge i mean you know to take lou archer ross mcdonald's detective he certainly emerged from being a sort of philip marlowe clone into something very very different i mean you sort of if you see the paul newman films you can see this sort of charming kind gentle witty hard-boiled private detective who's very different to Marlowe in a way tell me about this a little bit about the society that Castagnetti operates in because he I mean uh, almost as a generic requirement he he is something of an outsider he's kind of marginal to it it's a, a rich affluent northern Italian city with plenty to hide it seemed to me it's set in the city where I live for five years and I was always amazed that when the biggest scandal to happen in Italian finance for probably 40 or 50 years, which was the implosion of Parmalat. The front page of the Gazzetta di Parma didn't have it. You know, it was on the front page of the New York Times, the Washington Post, the, the London Times. It wasn't on the front page of the Gazzetta di Parma. And that, for me, said everything you need to know about the city, that it was exquisitely beautiful, is exquisitely beautiful, is extraordinarily refined you know it's where the ham and the cheese comes from it's where Verdi's from it's you know it's got the wonderful opera house but underneath all that is this undercurrent of of other goings-on and so that for me seems the perfect place to to set a crime novel tell me a little bit about the Salati case itself well Castagnetti's hired by a, a notary to find a man who went missing a few years before because his mother's died and left a will that it should be ascertained whether he's dead or alive before her estate is distributed. So Castagnetti limps off into the the dark family history and tries to work out what happened to this this young man and why, in order that this fairly modest estate can be can be disposed of. And of course in, in the process discovers various things about about the family and he limps off into the mist literally and metaphorically the mist mist is one of the the characteristics almost a character in the in the book it seemed to me yeah i mean the the the, the setting of the sort of the fog of of the padanian plain is probably slightly me being contrary because everyone always thinks of this wonderful blissful sunlit country for me the memories of living in emilia romagna meant fog from november through to march basically and for the first few winters i spent there it was very weird because you you know most normally visibility was reduced to five meters and it was cold and damp and humid and people kept complaining about arthritis and and aching limbs but actually the longer you live there you you become very fond of the fog and it's it's part of what that part of the world is and yeah so the fog is is a sort of an integral part of the the setting i suppose one of the things that i really liked about the dark heart of italy was the way in which you introduce concepts which are peculiarly italian for which it's it's very difficult to find any uh, accurate translation in english and in the salati case you introduce the the notion of insabiatura 
And I wanted you to say what that is, because that seemed to me quite a sort of fundamental idea about how the investigation proceeds. Yeah, there are certain words that are always used when reporting crime cases in the in the Italian press, and in Sabiatura is one of them. If you look at many of the sort of iconic crimes from the 50s, 60s, 70s, many of them have never been resolved. And there are certain words that always come out in the reporting. Omisis is one, the sort of the, the rubber wall against which all investigations bounce is another. And in Sabiatura is, is sort of the the sanding up, the silting up of investigations and the this sense that the truth can be buried by piling on top of it all sorts of alternative truths and all sorts of decoys and uh, cul-de-sacs and hints and suspicions so that in the end people just shrug and go back to watching Juventus against Inter on a Sunday evening. It, it's something that's it repeatedly happens and scandals that seem to go on for years and years with alternative theories. It's something Perandella wrote about beautifully, about the sort of the, the suspicions and paranoia of of trying to get to the root of what's really happening. And that, that seems to me a perfect sort of, again, a perfect setting for a crime novel to try and try and work out what is going on and, and what's a decoy and what's a cul-de-sac. You haven't gone for the obvious facet of an Italian set crime novel, which is organised crime. That's that's sort of there in the background. It's something in the the whole sort of economy, but it's 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 not at the forefront of this book. No, I think the the danger in writing about Italy is that it's very easy to fall into the kind of the stereotypes, which are obviously organised crime, be it the Indrangheta or Cosa Nostra or, or whichever. And again, me just being contrary, I wanted to to do a family saga. I didn't want to to do organised crime. And I'm sure further on down the line, Castagnetti will come up against the Camorra or whoever it is. And it'll be interesting to see how he does it. But probably because of the Ross MacDonald influence or because I simply wanted to avoid that trap of stereotypical Italian crime writing, I avoided organised crime this time round. We do know, however, that Castagnetti is a beekeeper. Well, Castagnetti is a is a a driven loner. He lives on his own. He lost his parents. He hasn't got a partner. He sort of lives life in the fast lane and shoots from the hip. The only sort of serenity or tranquility or time for contemplation he gets is with his bees, and it's a it's a hobby that kind of suits him because he can't grow fond of any one particular bee it's not like a pet that he names that he can get affection from and they're slightly sort of dangerous in as much as of course they can sting but there's something almost sort of monastic to their their harmonious hive that he admires and that he compares to to human society and in that sense it it gives him a chance to sort of chill out as it were to take his foot off the pedal to to slow down the pace of his investigation and and sort of reflect on his life, I suppose. With characters whose native language isn't English, you've obviously got to find a language, invent a language for them to speak. How did you go about that with this book? In terms of finding the right diction, I just wrote it how it felt right, how Italian characters would speak. And yet sometimes it came out more like a 1940s, 1950s Californian crime novel. And sometimes it sounded very Italian. And I think the diction is is probably the sort of the most serious technical challenge other than obviously the plot, trying to work out how to convey to an English reader 
the, the sort of the intonation and the, the the cadences of Italian in English without sounding stilted or artificial is is very challenging. And I'm not sure I've still got it quite right yet, but it's certainly a, a sort of a, a strategic decision to drop in Italian words that are very whose meaning is very clear from the context in which they come, so that one is constantly aware of the the setting. Can can you in your head imagine what an Italian translation will sound like, or is that is that something that will be revealed to you when an Italian translator works on it? The difficulty of doing an Italian translation, I know it because you know my most serious critic has said as much already, is that the Italian way of talking, particularly I think probably more in the north than in the south, is not necessarily straight talking, hard hitting you know, going for the jugular. It's more that mellifluous, flowery, hinting, subtle, musical presentation of sound as much as meaning. And I suspect that it will come out more flowery in an Italian translation than it does in English. And, you know, my most close critic says as much that to her it it sounds too English that it's it, it's not gentle enough for the sort of the 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 soft soap approach of you know an Italian investigator let me ask you finally Tobias can you give us any clues as to what Castagnetti's second case is going to involve well Castagnetti's second case is called White Death and He's hired by a man who lives in a factory whose car has been burnt at night. So it's a simple case of arson. I mean, I don't like particularly always to have a dead body on the first page and it's quite nice to to build up to it. So he thinks it's a simple case of arson and it emerges that it's to do with corruption between the construction and political classes. Again, it takes him deeper into the the world of Italian crime.